Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. Hi, this is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Practice Hack of the Week. Huh? Blurts the voice in your head as you notice your stand partner making a face. Was that a wince? Or a grimace? Either way, that can't be good. But what does it mean? Do they have a migraine? Am I playing too loud? Did I commit some sort of egregious stand partner faux pas? Although there's no way to know for sure, your mind spirals faster and faster into the bad place anyhow, as your anxiety spikes, your muscles seize up, and you start getting more paranoid with each passing moment. Sound familiar? It's natural to go into stressful situations with a little anxiety. After all, we all want to be respected, liked, and accepted. What will we do if we don't measure up, if we aren't good enough, or simply don't fit? Because of all this uncertainty involved, many of us automatically scan our environment for clues, for validation of whether we're doing a good job or not. Is the audience smiling? Do my new studio mates look judgy? Did the conductor just give me an approving nod? The problem, of course, is that our approval or rejection radar is not particularly reliable. It tends to be pretty skewed in the negative direction, where we're world-class at noticing signs of rejection all around us, and complete noobs at noticing signs of approval. But trying to just think positive often feels like lying to ourselves. And heck, even if we wanted to lie to ourselves, that's much easier said than done. So what are we to do? If you look at many of the anxiety management strategies that we typically utilize in stressful situations, like deep breathing, for instance, the majority are response-focused strategies, techniques that we call upon once the anxiety has already kicked in. And these are certainly useful and essential strategies to have in our toolbox, but some researchers have also been looking into antecedent-focused strategies, Techniques that are aimed at trying to change how we react to a situation even before a stress response can be triggered. But how would that work exactly? Well, take the orchestra example we started with. Sure, maybe my stand partner did grimace, and maybe it was because of something I did. But dwelling on this isn't especially productive. It's just going to make me more nervous and lead to some pretty subpar playing. Besides, What if before she grimaced, she actually smiled and nodded encouragingly a few times too, and I just failed to notice? Not everyone in that same situation would be quite so vigilant and attuned to frowns and other rejection cues. Some would actually be more apt to notice more neutral and positive cues, and end up playing better and feeling more comfortable as a result. 
So, might there be a way to train ourselves to be less reactive to negative cues around us? A team of researchers conducted a study of telemarketers to see how a little cognitive bias modification training would affect their stress and job performance during a typical week. Why telemarketers? Well, imagine a job in which you have to call up strangers, try to sell them something, and experience tons of rejection, and where your performance is constantly being evaluated by supervisors and compared very publicly to your peers via sales rankings. Yeah, it's a notoriously stressful and challenging job. So 23 telemarketers were randomly assigned to either an experimental group or a control group, and before work each day, played a short video game. The Find the Smile group, experimental group, played a game in which they were presented with a grid of 16 faces with 15 frowns and one smile, and they were instructed to find that one smile hidden amongst the frowns as quickly as possible. The Find the Flower group, or the control group, played a similar game in which they were to find the one five-petaled flower hidden amongst a grid of 15 seven-petaled flowers. The idea being, could the stressed-out, find-the-smile telemarketers be trained to focus more on positive cues than rejection cues? And would this attentional bias training transfer to their work, even without any explicit instructions to do so? To track any changes in their self-esteem and stress, participants completed self-esteem and perceived stress assessments at the end of each workday. And to measure physiological indicators of stress, they took five saliva samples on their final day of training. To measure job performance, supervisors monitored calls to rate how self-confident the representatives were A. During their greeting B. After potential customers' first objections and C. At the end of the call. And finally, each participant's sales data from the two weeks prior to the study was compared with their sales performance during the training week. The Find the Flower group didn't exhibit any significant changes in self-esteem or stress during the week. The Find the Smile group, on the other hand, demonstrated a significant increase in self-esteem over the course of the week as their perceived stress decreased. They also had lower levels of the stress hormone cortisol at the end of the week, about 17% less. In terms of job performance, they were rated by supervisors as being more self-confident after prospective customers' first objections, and perhaps more impressively, there was almost a 70% increase in their conversion ratio, that is, the number of sales they made relative to the number of calls they made. If we did something to aggravate our stand partner, we certainly don't want to remain completely oblivious and end up being that person. But whether it's our first week in a new ensemble, college auditions, or first date, it also doesn't help to be so sensitive to threats and rejection cues that we interpret everything as a sign that we're in over our heads. Yet, our attentional bias for rejection is so natural and so automatic that it may feel as though there's nothing we can do about it. Like our tendency to glance at roadkill, or YouTube videos that gross us out. But ultimately, you do have a choice in the crucial moment of performance. Will you choose to focus on self-enhancing thoughts and images, like all the work you put in and all the moments where you have played well in the past? Or on self-defeating thoughts, like the one time you embarrassed yourself in Allstate Orchestra, 
or the sour expression on the face of your newsstand partner. 